Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. I want to start off just by touching upon the manifesto that Karl Marx wrote, which is known as the Communist Manifesto which presents a thesis or a proposition where human beings are divided into two classes. He referred to them as the bourgeois class, which were the business owners, and then the proletariats who were the oppressed workers. And the manifesto divides people into two groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. In Karl Marx's mind, the cure for this injustice was that the proletariat, the worker, align with those who are for them, which in this case would be the communist regime, with the goal of overthrowing the bourgeois class or the capitalists, with the intent of taking their property from them, which leading to a government takeover of private property, making it public property for the purpose of releasing the working class from the bondage of capitalism. Now, the reason I bring that up today is not only because we see this type of thing going on in our world, but we also, more importantly, because of what is known as communism or socialism, if they're the same thing, basically, it's the exact opposite of what is known as biblical fellowship or communalism, koinonia. So the early church had everything in common. We just read that. No one had need of anything because everybody shared everything, and it was spirit-led, not government-led. So what's the difference then between secular socialism or communism and biblical fellowship? Well, socialism and communism divides people. Biblical fellowship unites people. In fact, the whole word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia, which comes from the root word koinos, which means common. So the world has been trying to copy this commonism to try and instill it into a worldly program, a worldly ideology, but it never works because this, what we're talking about today, doesn't work in the world. It's the fellowship in Christ with God, the Father, through Christ and the Holy Spirit. And this cannot happen outside of Christ. Therefore, it cannot happen outside of the church. So as we look at the early church in Acts, and we're continuing my sermon series, A New Normal. Today, we're going to talk about a new fellowship. We need to begin by distinguishing between biblical koinonia and secular socialism. First of all, Biblical koinonia is organic, not manufactured. It's sincere, not fake. It's humble, not prideful. It's theocratic, not democratic. It's spirit-led, not government-led. It's God-centered, not man-centered. It's other-centered, not self-centered. It's built on sameness, not differences. It's about unity, not division. So biblical fellowship is for the church, not the world. It only works in God's church. So if you remember, as we get to today's sermon, 
that Acts chapter 1 is when the apostles receive the power of the promised Holy Spirit, and then Acts chapter 2 is when the church is born, Peter's sermon where he preached and 3,000 souls came to Christ in one day, and through that, a new fellowship was born, a new koinonia. And let's talk about what the new fellowship includes. First of all, new fellowship includes a new nature. People take on a new nature when they give their life to Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, it says that all the believers were together, and that can read literally of the same, and had everything in common, and that word common is koinos. So it's of the same, had all things in common. Now that's not manufactured commonality. That's a supernatural commonality because we're changed from the inside and we have a new nature in Christ. So therefore, that new nature makes us common in Christ. If the believer has taken on a new nature, then that nature is the one of Christ. In fact, read 2 Corinthians 5.17 with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That old creation was broken. It was dysfunctional. It was worldly. It was of the world. The new creation is a restored and recreated image of God. The believer takes on the image of Christ, and he's the perfect image of God. And Jesus said that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. So you can't force this perfect biblical fellowship into a worldly system. It doesn't work. Here's what happened. The believer is no longer the same as the unbeliever. We're both made in God's image, but the unbeliever's image is distorted and marred by sin. The believer's image, even though the believer still has sin because we still have a fleshly body, we have taken on a restored and remade image in Christ, who is the perfect image of God. So when God the Father looks at the believer who has the new nature in Christ, he sees Christ. That's what differentiates the person of the old nature, who's of the world, and the new nature is the person in Christ. So what was once the same is now different. What once was dead is now alive. And dead people and alive people are inherently different. I remember when I was performing as a musician before I got saved and before I was born again in Jesus Christ, and I would perform all over and I perform in different clubs. And there's a reason why those clubs are called nightclubs, because it's dark and I was spiritually in the dark as well. Then the light of Christ came on into my life when I placed my faith in Christ and received the Holy Spirit. I was made new, a new creation. I took on a new nature, and therefore, since I'm a new person in Christ, what once mixed with darkness no longer mixes with darkness. The light and the dark do not mix. So what was comfortable before I became a believer became extremely uncomfortable after I became a believer. Why? Because of the new nature. Because I was walking in the light of the fellowship with Christ. And I remember the first time I sang at a church service. It was shortly after I got saved, and I got plugged into a church, and I tried out for their praise team, and got on the praise team, 
And they had me singing a solo one Sunday, and I was so nervous. And I played that night before till two o'clock in the morning at the nightclub, but I couldn't wait to get up at six in the morning to go to the light club, <laughs> uh, the church. And I sang this song. I was scared. I was sitting up there. I go, why are all the lights on? Can you like dim a little bit? <laughs> this makes me nervous. After I sang, a young man came up to me and he said these words. He said, man, that song that you sang really ministered to me. And I thought to myself, I don't want that to be the last time I hear those words. My life was changed. I had a new purpose. I had a new song to sing because I was no longer singing in the dark. I was singing in the light. I took on a new nature, a new purpose in Christ who made me new by his spirit. Let's think about this. The Bible says that new nature is all-encompassing. In fact, I received a new mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. I received a new spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I received a new body that will come in the future. Romans 8.23 says, But we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's a done deal. And guess what? I received a new home. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I'm already there. And I received a new purpose. As Paul writes, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the ministry the Lord Jesus has given me, which is to testify to the good news of God's grace. So the reason that I and we can have true biblical communalism is because we are truly the same and have everything in common, namely the new nature in Christ, which includes the common purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ God the Father through Jesus Christ's Son. That's why biblical koinonia is theocratic. It's led by God, not democratic, led by people. This can't happen outside of God's fellowship. You can't serve God and the world at the same time. That's why communism and socialism doesn't work. Because although people might live in a common geographic area, like a nation, they are not common in nature. They do not have the same mind and purpose as the believers in the fellowship do. And you can't force something upon something else when it cannot happen. Biblical koinonia cannot be manufactured. It's supernatural. So when a government and a nation try to instill upon a people who are not of the same heart, mind, soul, and spirit, a system of sharing, what could go wrong? Everything. Because here's the thing. Sin ultimately takes over, and the ones who might have had a good motive to help the oppressed person become the oppressor. And because of sin and the love of power, They become the very people from whom they wanted to set the others free from. Here, the proletariat, the worker, their rescuer becomes their master because sin takes over. Now, can sin creep into the church? Obviously, yes. 
I've seen some of the most corruption <laughs> in the church, which is not good. There's division and pride and control and quest for power in the church. Now, you would expect that in the world, but you shouldn't expect it in the church. Why does this happen? Because biblical koinonia becomes less theocratic and more democratic, where people are making decisions rather than God and his word. Because if the church aligned under God and his word, then we would have unity in his word. And we would have that theocratic governance of God. Biblical koinonia cannot happen unless all the fellowship, all the fellowship is united under the authority of God and his word. See, we're all sinners saved by grace. But unless you're letting God's grace control you, sin will control you. The early church is the purest example of what this fellowship should look like. Acts 2.45 says they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Imagine how powerful that witness was. 3,000 people came to Christ in one day and they started giving away their property and sharing it. It wasn't forced. It was given. That's what biblical koinonia is. It's not just sharing life together. It's sharing everything together. Now, some people use Acts 2.45 to prove that the early church were communists. And that word has taken on a bad reputation. So I would say that the early church weren't communists. They were communists. They had everything in common because of Christ. See, communists say what's yours is mine. Communists say what's mine is yours. That is true biblical fellowship. Next, a new fellowship includes a new devotion. See, once you're made new in Christ, you will not only take on a new nature, you take on a new devotion. Your desires change. That's why Acts 2.42 says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, koinonia, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, before I was made new in Christ, I had no desire whatsoever to read the Bible. I had no desire to hang out with born-again Christians. And then when the light came on, I received a new nature. I found a peculiar interest in learning more about God and the Bible. I actually began looking forward to hanging out with other born-again believers. Besides the church service on Sundays, I found myself attending Bible studies. And then I found myself attending more Bible studies. In fact, I found a Bible study every night. I figured I was in the nightclub every night. I might as well be in the light club every night. Some people ask me, Pastor, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, first, you have to receive Jesus Christ into your life by faith and believe in him and his name. And the Bible says that you will be saved. But second, your desires change. If you have a desire to read and learn about God and about his word, if you have this desire that you want to be in the fellowship with other born-again believers, then I can tell you this, that only happens by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the early church was devoted. They were committed to what? They were committed first to the apostles' teaching. 
Acts 2 says. And they were committed, second, to the common fellowship, the church. God first, each other second. And they never forsook those things. They never stopped gathering together. Their life depended on it. So the question then is, what or who are you most devoted to? If not Jesus Christ and his church and his word, then odds are you're going to fall away. I'm hearing so many sad stories of people falling away from their faith. The lead singer of Hawk Nelson, who is a very well-known Christian band, and his name is Jonathan Seingard. And he wrote in his Instagram account, and then he wrote about it in a blog. And he says he no longer believes in God. In fact, he writes this. After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band, and having the word Christian in front of most of the things in my life, I am now finding that I no longer believe in God. He goes on to write, The last few words of that sentence were hard to write. I still find myself wanting to soften that statement, I don't believe in God, by wording it differently. But it wouldn't be as true. That's sad. But here's the biblical truth. Jesus said that at the time before his second coming, many would fall away. Here's what I got to say to you. Don't fall away. Pray that you don't fall away. If you're not connected, and look at what happened in the last 12 weeks or so. Satan has tried to disconnect the koinonia. But we're not disconnected. We're one in the Spirit, one in Christ. But unless you make an effort to stay connected, odds are you will fall away. It's just going to happen. Because I can't force, no pastor can force his people to be connected. I can do my part and continue preaching the word, and we can, as a church, reach out to one another, and I can send you emails that I hope you open. But unless you make an effort to stay connected, odds are you will fall away. It'll be interesting to see how many people get reconnected back into the public koinonia of God's fellowship once we get out of this time. It's going to be interesting. I hope everyone in my church does. I hope no one falls away. But that's up to you. You've got to do that. And you've got to pray. Lord, I pray I don't fall away. You've got to pray. Lord, keep me close to you. But then you've got to do your part. You've got to do your part. Your life depends on it. Next, a new fellowship includes a new perspective. Everything changes when someone becomes a member of this new fellowship. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, where we are today. And I'm going to start reading in verse 32, and it says, The congregation of those who believed, that's important, were of one heart, one soul. Not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them to the apostles' feet, and they would distribute it as each had need. 
Verse 36, now Joseph, a Levite of the Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas, that's the same Barnabas, by the way, that helped Paul on his mission trips, by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it. So Barnabas sold his land, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let me tell you something. That's what it takes. That's the perspective. If you don't have that perspective, something's wrong. I'm not telling you to go sell your house and give it to the church. I mean, if God tells you to do it, do it. But what I'm saying is if you don't have that, that you would sell everything for the sake of God's kingdom and his glory, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We only can have true biblical koinonia if we are under the authority of Jesus Christ. And whatever he says, whenever he says to do it, we do it. When we didn't have a place to meet, I offered my home. This isn't my home. This is God's home. If something happened tomorrow, it would be his. It's not mine. Nothing belongs to me. And when I go and die and I go to be in front of Jesus and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, one of the things he's going to judge us on is how well we manage what he gave us. And if we're not willing to give it back to him, something's wrong. We've all got to be 100% committed to Jesus Christ and to the fellowship. So I want you to ask yourself, where are you on the koinos scale, the commonality? What will be different if it's not that way? What needs to change in your heart once we get out? So let's continue with the last part, what to expect when this is over. I say we're going to expect a new reverence. There's going to be a reverence for God and His church because I think people are realizing that we took it for granted too long. If we look at Acts 2, I'm going to just read verses 43 through 47. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is the power that God can do when we have a new reverence for Him and His church. So that's the thing. We need to have that. Next, expect a new realization. Expect that you will see things differently. We need to see things differently. There's nothing more important than Jesus Christ and the koinonia, the fellowship of the church. Do you know that the apostles, disciples, and we're going to talk about more of this next week when we talk about Stephen, the first Christian martyr, they were willing to die for the sake of Christ. And I think we need to have that realization how important this fellowship is. And then, last, we need to expect a new respect for God, a new respect for the church. One of the saddest things to me is how all of a sudden I knew how important the church was, but I don't think other people did until it was taken away, in a sense, that we couldn't meet publicly. 
And now we're going, what in the world's going on? I guess you can meet outside and do other things, but what happened to the church? Are we just like shoved down there? That's not how it should be. The church should be the first, most important part of what we do together. I'm going to end by reading a very sad story from the Bible because I think it's important. It's about a husband and a wife who are not on the same page and something horrible happened to them. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 5, so turn there. So this is right after this incredible testimony of the believers of this koinonia and how Barnabas sold his property and gave the money to the church and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then it goes on. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up. And after carrying him out, they buried him. Verse 7. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours. And his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried it out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Wouldn't that freak you out? Now, some things in Scripture are uh, prescriptive, and some are descriptive. I'm not saying God might not do this again, but there's a reason behind this. Let's talk about that. First, God always protects His fellowship. God always protects His church. In fact, Jesus said, not even the gates of hell would prevail against it. And Peter, who was Peter of the church, he was the pastor. And God gave Peter supernatural spiritual discernment regarding his flock. One of my most important jobs as your pastor is to protect the flock. Therefore, I've had to make difficult decisions, have difficult conversations with those who have compromised the fellowship. Sometimes there can be reconciliation. Other times, it's best that they go. It's never easy, but it's what needs to happen to protect the biblical koinonia of the fellowship. Secondly, lying to the Spirit of God is never a good idea. I'll tell you that right now. Ananias was not obligated to give the money. This is not socialism or communism where the money was taken from them. This was a commitment he made to the fellowship, to the biblical koinonia. That's why we don't take an offering. We receive an offering. We give an offering. But this is the point here. The sin there was not about the money. You know what it's about? It was about pretending. 
It was about pretending to want to give everything. But when it came down to it, I'm not committed. This is why communism and socialism never works without somebody taking over with power and tyranny. The fellowship can only function when there's 100% honesty and commitment and lying to the Spirit of God because he didn't lie to Peter. They lied to the Spirit and to the fellowship. Lying to the Spirit and to the fellowship is a sin. Don't be a pretender. Be a devoted, committed, biblical koinonia person in Christ. Don't pretend. And then the third thing that we learn from that is never put the Spirit of God to the test. God says, don't put me to the test. You know what the only time he said put me to the test? Is with tithing. He says, give your full tithe and put me to the test, and that I won't show you that will be incredibly blessed. But usually, in every other case, he says, do not put God to the test. Now, here's the problem. Sapphira and Ananias, they were 100% committed to each other in their hypocrisy, but they were not 100% committed to the one another's in the fellowship. Ananias lied and died. And his wife tested God by not coming clean, and she died as well. Remember, devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. If anything that you are devoted to, including your marriage, is above Christ, that's pretending. Something's wrong. You know, we put our hope in Christ. We put our trust in Christ first. Problem with Ananias and Sapphira, they were committed to each other in their hypocrisy, but they were not committed to the one another's insincerity. That's not good. You need to come clean. Don't be an Ananias and don't be a Sapphira. Biblical koinonia depends on 100% fully devoted followers of Christ. And we're never going to get there. But what happens? is when our heart is wanting to go there, then maybe our actions will follow. But if our heart isn't even there, then that's pretending. The only pretenders I like was the band, okay? There should be no pretending. This is not a time to pretend. This is a time to be honest, to come clean and sincere. Are you 100% committed to Jesus Christ and to the fellowship. Now, I'm talking directly now to our partners, and if you're looking for a church where you want to have biblical fellowship, I encourage you to join our church. But whatever fellowship, if you're not 100% committed, the fellowship suffers. So I want to pray. Are we going to come clean? Because when this is over, and we start gathering again, and if there's pretenders, who knows what God would do? But I know this, he always protects his church. He always protects his fellowship. Even if he has to take me out. This is not about, I'm any better than you. I don't want to pretend. This is not a game. As you can tell, the spiritual battle is pretty intense. This is no time to pretend. So let's bow before God in humility. And let's thank him first for saving us. 
and giving us his spirit that has made us new and given us a new nature. Let's thank him that he's given us a new devotion. Let's thank him that he's given us a new perspective. And let's come clean. Let's say, Lord, I want to come clean right now. I don't want to be a pretender. If there's anything that in my life that needs to be taken out or put aside so that I can have the same commitment that these disciples had, that I would be willing to die for the sake of Christ, that I would be willing to sell what I have for the sake of Christ, that I would be willing to do whatever God says for the sake of Christ and his kingdom and his gospel. If there's anything, show me. If there's anything that's hindering that commitment. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. You're not killing anybody here, I hope. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, we will not have the joy of the Lord if we're a pretender. And our spirit will feel like it's dead. And I'll tell you what, right now it's really hard to stay connected. But I can't force you. And you know what? You might need to share this with someone else, this message. Because we need everyone on board. Thank you, Lord, for your grace again, because your mercy that is new every morning. When we confess our sins, you're faithful to forgive. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that we have that assurity of salvation. We don't lose our salvation because we didn't earn it. But I do pray, Lord, that if there's any pretense, like Ananias and Sapphira, that it would be taken away and that we would have 100% commitment to you and to the biblical koinonia, the fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me your voice.